Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. Today's Bible reading comes from Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. That's Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this? Who who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Thank you, ladies. Good evening, all. I'll pray. Heavenly Father, As we look to this passage, we pray that if we have a soft heart towards you, that you might soften it more and make us more thankful. If we have a hard heart, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you might soften it. For I pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I want you to do something for me. Nobody will know that you have done it and I'm not going to ask you if you have done it but I would like you to wiggle your toes have you ever thought that there are people in this world who cannot wiggle their toes for whatever medical reason Have you ever thought that maybe you have taken for granted that you can wiggle your toes? 
We take so much for granted. If we've been followers of Jesus for a long time, we can take all sorts of spiritual blessings for granted. If you're new to trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, you may not yet fully understand what he has done for you. This passage ought to be helpful to whichever category you fall into. The nameless lady of the night, written about in Luke chapter 7, verse 36 onwards, that we just had read for us, sets us an example regarding of how we ought to relate to Jesus. It seems that Jesus was invited by a Pharisee to dinner. Now, we might think that that is an act of goodwill. Someone invites you to dinner. Normally we say, oh, isn't that great? Sometimes we might think, oh, gee, do I really have to go? But normally it's a good thing and we think that they think well of us. But this might not be the case with this Pharisee. He might be looking to trap Jesus. In Luke's writing, up until this point in this book, Luke sets out that the Pharisees are really not Jesus' favourite people and he is not their cup of tea. They are at odds. They do not see eye to eye. Simon, interestingly, he's named in the passage, wants to interrogate Jesus. The meal begins. Jesus, as the picture shows, is reclining at table. The unnamed lady comes to Simon's house. This was not uncommon to go to somebody else's house if there was a celebrity coming to dinner. They, the poor people, because in the time of Jesus didn't have TVs or word on WhatsApp and therefore didn't have much to do, would come and sit at the back of the room and they would listen to the conversation that took place between the invited guests. They were like children of my day, seen but not heard, and they could listen and see what was going on. It's important to remember that having heard that Jesus is in town, as it says in verse 37, this woman comes with no physical ailment asking to be healed, no demonic presence to be cast out. Rather, she comes because she is sinful. She sneaks in and makes her way close to where Jesus was reclining. Verses 47 and 48 tell us why she came. 
Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven, little loves little. It might be because she couldn't reach his head, she started with his feet. She chooses to wash them. Now this was a normal custom, but there is something more going on here. Jesus' feet would not have been the most desirable feet in the world. He walked in open sandals along dusty roads. And she, as she washes his feet, is so overtaken with emotion that her tears fall on his feet. And having washed them, not having a towel, she wipes his feet with her hair. Then she takes some very expensive perfume, a tool of trade of prostitutes, and anoints his feet. Sometimes people are accused of guilt by association. But the Pharisee, knowing that Jesus' record was impeccable, that he couldn't go down that route and say, this woman associates with this prostitute, so what sort of a person is he? tries to go down another route to trap Jesus. Instead of accusing him of immorality, he tries to accuse him of ignorance. For in verse 39, it says this, When the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man is a prophet... He would know who's touching him and what kind of a woman she is, that she's a sinner. The Pharisee sets out to prove that Jesus is really no prophet. In a conversation that you might be having, you might think, I know what they're going to say next. It's a common thing, isn't it? And Simon, Jesus knows, is about to accuse him of not being a prophet. And Jesus beats him to the punch. He jumps in before Simon can make any statement and he tells a very short story. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back and so he forgave the debts of both. Now, Jesus asks, which of them will love him more. In 
If you go to the doctor and she gives you a prescription to cure your acne, you'll be very pleased and thankful. But if you go to the doctor and you have a heart attack in the, in the waiting room and the doctor rushes out and you die and she saves your life, you'll be even more thankful. And that's the point that Jesus is getting at here. Who will be the most thankful? The person who was forgiven two months' wages or the person who was forgiven two years' wages? The moneylender graciously forgave both the debts. They were totally absolved. It was a benefit which was not deserved. It could not be earned and it was not paid back. And Jesus asks, who, Simon, would have loved more? Simon picks up the point. He's not sick. And he grudgingly says in verse 43, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. Now we all get the point of the story. We're not sick either. Jesus is the money lender. The debtor who owed the least is the Pharisee. The debtor who owed the most is the woman. But there is another thing here that is subtle in a way. Jesus is getting at self-evaluation. The woman acknowledged her sin. She knew that she was a sinner. The Pharisee denies it. The woman accepted and loved Jesus because she had received forgiveness. The Pharisee rejected it. Why? Because he didn't think that he needed it. None of the Pharisees thought that they needed forgiveness, especially from Jesus. But there is a further contrast which Jesus points out in verses 44 to 46. Imagine you are invited to someone's home. You knock on the door and the owner and the family are watching television. And someone yells out, come in, and they continue watching television. Nobody comes to the door, you find your way to the family room or the lounge room, and what are they doing? They're sitting there watching their favourite program. They don't offer you a seat, they don't offer you a drink, they don't offer you any nibbles. They don't shake your hand. 
or give you a hug. This is in effect what the Pharisee does in regards to Jesus. He didn't offer to wash Jesus' feet or he could have had one of his slaves do it. He didn't greet Jesus with a customary kiss and he didn't provide any oil to annoy his head. All common customs in that country in the time of Jesus. But the lady of ill repute washes Christ's feet, uses her tears and her hair to do it. She doesn't kiss Jesus on the cheek, but kissed his feet. She didn't anoint his head with oil, rather anointed his feet with her expensive perfume. And Jesus is really asking, Simon, why did you act the way you did? Verses 44 on, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. Simon Why did you refrain from standard hospitality? Why did she go over the top? Is the question. And the answer is set out for us in verse 47. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. She was aware of her sin. She valued forgiveness, unlike Simon, she was grateful. Jesus is saying to Simon, you aren't in touch with your sin. You don't understand the value of forgiveness, but you actually need it and you need like she did to own your sin. Jesus says to the woman in verse 48, your sins are forgiven. Now they're not forgiven because she used expensive perfume. They're not forgiven because she washed his feet or cried. No. The grammar of this little sentence says to us, that there was some time in the past that she met Jesus and she came to place her faith and trust in Jesus. And having done that some time, some days ago, she now knows what it means to be forgiven and she rejoices in that forgiveness And that is why she seeks out Jesus 
and does all that she did. When you and your siblings were playing with your dad, he might have had the game that my dad had with us. He used to throw us up in the air and catch us. And maybe when you were being thrown up in the air, maybe your sibling said, me too, daddy, me too, daddy. And really that's what should have taken place here. The other people who are here listening to this conversation should have said, we too need forgiveness. But no. They asked the question, who is this who even forgives sin? Which is implying what right has he got to do this? Jesus concludes our story with the words of verse 50. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. She exercised faith in Jesus. She trusted in him and he brought her forgiveness. And that forgiveness is demonstrated in her costly love. In this passage we have one sinner rejoicing and another rejecting and scorning. Now at this point in sermon, I would normally launch into an outline of the gospel, telling people how they could be saved, that each person needs at some time to say to God, I've done wrong, I believe Jesus died on the cross, for the things I've done run, please forgive me and help me to live with Jesus as my captain coach. But Jesus doesn't tell the Pharisee how he can be saved, so I won't launch into a gospel presentation. Rather, Jesus tells the Pharisee that he's not saved. He tells him how not to be saved, how not to spend eternity with him, how not to get to heaven. From this passage of the Bible, Luke is telling us that people are not saved if they have no love for Christ, that they are not saved if they insult Christ, that they are not saved if they show no hospitality towards Jesus. What does the woman do? Here's some ticks for us to check off. She was willingly, she was willing to publicly align herself with Christ. Tick, cross. She showed courage. She willingly sought out Jesus. No one dragged her to this house. It would have been embarrassing for her, a lady of the night, a lady of ill repute, to come to this place and to publicly do what she did. She was willing 
to face the scorn of others in the community. It can happen, can't it, to Christians? We stand firm on some things. The only way of salvation is through Christ. Adultery is wrong. You know. And we might suffer the scorn of others for being old-fashioned, out of touch with society. Society has moved on. Why don't you catch up? She showed gratitude for the forgiveness of sins. And she was willing to make a costly sacrifice. The pals have shared with us this evening about their time away and their time coming back. And it's interesting, isn't it, that coming back to a terrible place like Sydney is hard. They've left their friends. They've left their jobs. They've left the food. And who wouldn't want to live where it's between 18 and 25 every day? Hard. Costly. But you know that you don't have to be a missionary or the kid of a missionary for it to be a struggle and to make costly sacrifices. But those who love Jesus and know him may make a costly sacrifice even in Sydney. This event in our King's life in Christ's life, shows us what stubborn self-righteousness does. It blinds people to the need for forgiveness and it blinds them to the way of forgiveness through a trust in Christ. It also shows us an example of how, if we know the forgiveness of our sins, we should live. It is God who has saved us. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 reminds us, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, which is not the work of yourselves. And so, in ever-growing gratitude and love of Christ, we might go on. Forgiveness, gratitude and love, a willingness to suffer public humiliation, a willingness to make sacrifices for the sake of our King. Did you wiggle your toes? Do you take it for granted? Do you take the gift of salvation for granted? Or like the lady of the night, do you constantly thank God 
for your salvation through Christ Jesus. I'm going to finish by praying a prayer that many of you know well. It's in the order of evening prayer in the prayer book. It's called the General Thanksgiving. I'm going to say it, and I'm going to say it slowly so that you might think about what God has done for you in Christ Jesus. Almighty God, the Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, like the Lady of the Night, give humble and hearty thanks for your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all people. We bless you for our creation, preservation and all the blessings of this life. But above all, for your amazing love in the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and the hope of glory. And we pray, give us that due sense of all your mercies, that our hearts may be truly thankful and that we may declare your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service, and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all honour and glory, now and forever. And all the people said, Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St Matt's West Bend Hills 6pm Congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus, to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another, and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmatts.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.